there's never been a better time to start planning your career's trajectory. With LSU's online engineering programs, you can equip yourself with the skills to move forward in your career. Their degrees are 100% online and designed for working professionals balancing life's responsibilities. LSU Online offers multiple engineering degrees and certificates with focuses in industrial, civil, healthcare, petroleum, and transportation. They also offer affordable flat rate tuition nationwide. That's just one of the many reasons U.S. News ranks LSU Online as one of the best online programs for a master's in engineering. Visit online.lsu.edu slash podcast to learn more and receive a code to waive the application fee. This is Problem Solved, the IISE podcast, where we talk to industrial and systems engineers about their work, ideas, and solutions. Welcome to Problem Solved, the IISE podcast. I'm Michael Hughes. Today, we welcome Sprint Ray CEO Amir Mansuri and Director of Operations Kaz Takeda, to discuss how their ISC-laden team is disrupting dentistry with digital options that 3D print smiles right there in the office. Kaz and Amir, good morning. How are you folks doing out? And is it sunny California or rainy? Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Thank you. Yeah, it's pretty warm here. Blessed by the warm weather. All Everything is good. How are you doing? Good morning, Michael. Doing pretty good. Kaz uh, is one of my favorite people with ISE. He's been involved with us for a very long time. And uh, I've got a couple of industrial, engin- industrial and systems engineers here with us. Excuse me. Y'all are with Sprintway, which does uh, dental implants. And no, 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 looking no, no. at your we do C- dental 3D printing. <laughs> Dental 3D printing, excuse me, which is the entire point of this episode is that they're not implants anymore. (laughs) Looking at y'all's C-suite, you have a bevy of industrial and systems engineers. Did you set out to create your company with an industrial engineering focus or is that just because, Amir, those are the people in your network? Because after all, everybody knows IE should be restricted to the shop floor, right? (laughs) Uh, I mean, that's a very good observation. Uh, we're pretty much, I think the only company that I know around us from my network who has a dedicated IE team and the size of our IE team grows as much as the size of the R and D software hardware is growing. And in sometimes I'm telling cause you have more people in your team than I have in the software team. <laughs> that, that, that is fascinating to me. And back to the how it happened, I guess I'm a PhD in industrial engineering. So <laughs> it's not it's not by accident. I can tell you that. Gotcha. That was a plan then to Absolutely. get to have a heavy ISC focus so you have the operational knowledge. Yeah, well, you know, I, I we we get things done. And uh, especially with uh, with an entrepreneurial company like ours, that's this rocket, you know, just a rocket ship to to growth. Um, there's that that uh, the traditional IEs of being on a shop floor, that's not us. So, you know, we're, we're here to, to deal with all of the, the, the evolving issues and challenges that are coming up and the growth. So, so we think scalable and we, and we go in and block and tackle, uh, to help fix things on and move on to something else. So I may have, I may, we may have a little, a few industrial engineers here, but, but again, it's, we're, 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 we're in customer service, fulfillment, uh, warehousing. We we're working right now with HR on different, different processes, to help them out. And, and as we fix them, we move on. And you know, fundamentally, probably my job is to put ourselves out of business or my, the industrial engineers out of business, <laughs> I should say, not, not you know, that as we get things done. Yeah. You don't want to be telling your boss, you're going to put the That's place out of business. That's yeah. probably not a good thing to do. Well, Kaz, give us an example, say, say in uh, customer service where you've used the, the, focus, the IE focus of your team to resolve an issue and move on, whereas a traditional customer service organization would have had that issue linger. Uh, yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Um, uh, that the, the mindset we took in was to understand that the customer service is a voice of our customer. And. And, and, and the data would say that if you looked at the, how long the calls are, when the calls are coming, that you would come up with an algorithm to figure out what your labor would be. And, and, and we kind of threw that out. So the, the, uh, we still use the data. So, but we've taken it as a, a different model. Um, we're looking at it from the customer experience. 
And understanding that average means half the time you fail. So instead of taking you know, what I think most industry partners would say it was the average of call call time and when calls are handled, we looked at it from a higher level, higher percentages. So we looked at a much higher percentile to understand what would we feel comfortable that a dentist, because you know they have a patient in a chair. Or, or, you know, they're very busy trying to take care of their patients, trying to serve them. So, it's the, so that was acceptable for, for us. We wanted to model it that we could pick up on a third ring, uh, be able to address it. And, and we've been quite successful at it. That's actually our marketing partners will tell us that uh, a big attribute of why people choose SprintRay is because they feel that we're paying attention to them and we take care of any issues that they might have really promptly. Yeah, because if you've got a, a dental office on the end of the customer service line, They've got me in the chair. They're sticking one of your 3D printed crowns in. They run into an issue. They certainly don't want to call and have customer service say, yeah, we'll get back to you tomorrow. hundred uh, percent. That's that's something we, we realized along the way, Michael, that we're on the hook to make sure that every single patient is receiving a good treatment using our 3D printer. And when I was brainstorming the idea of, uh, with the, with cause, and I said, cause, imagine when you were at Disney, you were on the hook to make sure every single kid is having fun, how tough of a job you would have. And this is what we do. And, uh, ever since we started to go heavy IE in the customer service, it was a day and night different a year ago. Cause when you joined, uh, remember, we had customer service. We had, we had a lot of fires. We had a lot of uh, problems. I mean, the averages as cause uh, mentioned was a, uh, was an area that we all looked at average calls and we staffed up for the number of average and calls coming in. Now it's one of our strengths and we're very proud of it. That's great. So Amir, give me a rundown of all of the 3d printing dental services that y'all provide. So I'm a dentist. I'm out here. What can you do for me? So the first kind of entry level uh, service uh, and application is just printing dental models. And I have them here. I'm going to show it to you, Michael. Uh, traditionally, you go to a dental office, they put a, a piece of, I don't know, you, you have those uncomfortable impressions in patient's mouth. You got to bite on it, hope that they're, then they're going to pour a stone and gypsum. They're going to carve it out. It's a casting process. I always say that, we're 20 year, 2021, we're using casting in a dental office We're ch- they're chiseling things. So th- this was the first disruptive things that 3d scan the teeth. There are 3d scanner devices that you can scan the teeth in a couple, say, couple of minutes and then print them. This is the first entry level application that resonates with every, every doctor. The next application that over years we developed is uh, night guards, creating night guards. Every, we're all grinding our teeth, different time of our lives. Pandemic actually had a big effect on people grinding their teeth due to stress, due to bad news, back and forth. And we heard a lot from our doctors that people are breaking teeth in the past uh, six months, more than they've been breaking in the past six years, basically. So things like that, again, night guards, 3D printed night guards when patient is sitting there. Crown on bridges, you mentioned that. that This was something that was a dream four years ago. Now it's happening. You can 3D print crowns in the office. Uh, We can 3D print dentures. We can 3D print replacement dentures for patients. We can 3D print... Uh, retainers and aligners. So, and it's ever increasing by the more advances that we have in material science, we're unlocking new applications. Yeah, because I'm getting ready to get a, a crown replaced. And I remember um, the stuff that they put in your mouth. Uh, I think the scientific term I use for it is gunk. And that's about what it tastes like, <laughs> no matter what flavoring. Yep. The idea of waltzing into an office lying in a chair for a couple of minutes, having them do a 3D scan and within the matter of a day, less than a day, not even having to come back to the office a second time, having that sucker go in, that's appealing to a patient. Absolutely. And then you would not go back to the previous dentist with older technology that you wait three weeks to get a crown and when you get it, it doesn't fit. Uh-huh. <laughs> And we all have had these stories and this is the future of dentistry. So why did you pick dentistry 
And the mouth as the focus for this particular business division is a startup and it's going really well from everything that I hear. I'm excited about it. Kaz is excited about it. I mean, it's not a lot of people who will leave the happiest place on earth to come work for a startup. So you had to have something to sell him. Why not, you know, widgets or beer steins or um, pizza or whatever else they're printing with 3D printers these days? Uh, that's a very good question. And when we went live, uh, in Kickstarter back in 2015, which was our foundation of our company, we had uh, demand from across industries, from, uh, engineers, designers, character designers, uh, to, uh, to dentists, to dental labs. We actually, we had customers from Disney who bought one of our printers early on to, um, do character design and prototyping for the latest Lion King movie that came out. And we sold printers to Lockheed Martin. We sold printers to uh, the Marvel Studios. We were prototyping uh, Spider-Man characters. It was, it was fun. They were all fun industries. And none of them resonated the way dentistry did. In all of those, uh, our tool was good for them. It was, But it was incremental impact. But dentistry was disruptive and that really resonated with us that we're in an industry that we're totally disrupting the way this industry is functioning now and will be functioning in the future. That piece was very strong with all of us early days. And the more we work with uh, doctors, uh, dentists, uh, the more we felt the sense of purpose and sense of impact that we're giving a tool to someone that is delivering a better dental care better oral care to a patient. And that really resonated the more. And the more we put energy behind it, the more we got momentum. And at some point in the time, we said we're 100% dental focused company. And that became essentially our destiny. Sounds like a great destiny. And I would have never thought of 3D printing teeth, to be honest with you. So it's good we had a couple (laughs) of smart IEs out there thinking along those lines. Um, Did you have anybody influence you toward that? Any particular conversations you had with dentists or, you know, friends of yours who had to have teeth work done where the light shined on you that this is where the disruption is. You know, what gave that spark in your mind that this is where Sprint Ray can make a real splash and a huge improvement in the lives of both dentists and patients? The early inspiration of dentistry came from a dental lab that uh, it was a local dental lab that bought one of our printers. And dental lab, 3D printing existed in dental labs for probably a decade. They've been one of the tools that they've been using. What we did differently was to put the the printer in the practice office. So essentially, another IE mind, why do you send everything to a centralized place, which is very inefficient, Mm -hmm. and then that centralized place will... Uh, produce parts and then you send it back to the doctors. And a lot of times doctors, they have people driving cars around to go drop off a crown, drop off an eye guard. This is a dental lab model and very inefficient. And it just, it doesn't make sense. What if we put the 3D printer in a dental practice and produce on demand whenever you need it, just in time technology, just in time. And that, that was the early inspiration that we saw. So our early experience with uh, dental labs gave us the confidence that a product is really good for dentistry. It's accurate. It solves a problem. And then watching these inefficiency, speaking with a lot of visionary doctors who helped us. Again, we were experts in 3D printing. We were not experts in dentistry. And we met visionary dentists along the way who helped us, gave us the problem for that we solved. And it worked out four years ago, uh, Michael, I had to beg doctors to look into 3d printing in a dental practice. I'm like, for what, what am I going to (laughs) do? When we look back, it's an essential tool in a dental practice. And they can't, we have doctors that tell us they can't live without it. They can't, they cannot practice without this anymore. They're very reliant on it. That's the traditional ISC, you know, breaking down barriers and breaking down silos because you know, IEs aren't necessarily experts in everything they work in and all the problems. They're experts at looking at a problem and learning from people what their problems are and how tools and technologies and new techniques and processes can fix those problems. So you've broken down that silo and you've also got the whole bring, you know, this is assembly line stuff. Okay, kids, 
bring the work to the worker. Okay. The workers are in the dental office. They're not in a lab 300 miles away. Exactly. And that was a model I worked out. And to me, the IE superpower is to look at a problem holistically, then go deep and solve it, then come back. I think this is a unique characteristics of the mm-hmm. IE training. And uh, th- that was, to me, was one of the gifts that I have, thanks to the IE education, that I could balance this holistic view, see the problem from 3,000 3, feet above, then go deep, solve it, then come back. Mm-hmm. And that balance of go deep and come back again, I think is something that only IEs can do. Yeah, right. Don't get stuck in that detail. You got to go back and see the problem holistically. And we're really good at also because we will hear problems, right? As IEs, we'll hear we have a problem we need this fixed. And we hear it all the time. And probably 80 to 85% of the problems that, that me and my team have, have dealt with aren't really the problem. It's a symptom. I mean, to them, it's a problem. That particular user is a problem. But when we look at it, as opposed to playing whack-a-mole, where you just take whatever they thought, hit it, and then it goes away, but then it comes back again. And who knows? It comes back again even uglier. Mm-hmm. Is that is that we, we, we look at it, we'll, we'll, we'll analyze it, we'll, we'll put it, we'll fix it. Maybe it's a Band-Aid on it, but then we keep looking at it. We, kind of, we pull the system back. We look horizontally to find out, okay, was this something before the issue or after the issue? And, and, and that's what I think makes the, the big difference between having an industrial engineer tackling it as opposed to other disciplines. So how is it working in this particular office, cause as opposed to working at Disney? You know, it's interesting because at Disney, my job and my team's job was to create smiles. I mean, fundamentally, and and I just we just moved that from from creating smiles to your guests going through the park and enjoying a churro and going on a ride to to literally the the patient. So you you know have a smile on your face. Um, it's it's very inspirational in that you know and uh, what 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 sets Disney apart from other industrial engineers is that that you're not working for a theme park. You're working to change somebody's experience. So when they walk out, that they're happy. And that's what makes uh, it an amazing opportunity for, for people wanting to join the, the Disney the Disney family. You know, coming into SprintRay, first of all, SprintRay is a family. He said, being coming into SprintRay, I was adopted. Um, it, it, there, is, there is no, actually, I say this, um, the term brother is serious. You know, when I come into the office and Amir or Erich or, you know, the others will say, hey, brother, how you doing today? I mean, it wasn't just a token of like a, a slang. I mean, there, it's, it's a family type of stuff. And again, when we deal with everything, we're literally one of the inspirations of uh, uh, when I joined it is the, the power of a smile is amazing. You know, that, that, that when somebody has bad teeth, um, you know, they're embarrassed and it hurts their ego and such, and, or even worse, if they're especially a third world country with, with this technology, we're changing people's lives you know, where, where they're able to smile again, where they're able to eat again. And, and it's, 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 it's just really inspirational to be kind of part of that. And again, for industrial engineers, you know, Michael, you've known me for decades and some of the stories I would tell about Disney uh, and my team would tell about Disney weren't the stories that you would have thought. I mean, it would be talking about how we saved water or how we increased, you know, how we reduced trash uh, or how we improved reliability of something. You know, it's not like you know, that, that people get, you know, what, you know, I created this magic pixie dust. Well, in some ways it was still magic pixie dust. It was just, you know, dealing it so that the, so the guests would have a wonderful experience it, with Sprint Ray. And our team is doing the same thing. He said, we're helping to, uh, to break down friction points within the dentistry industry. We're helping to break down obstacles within our own organization. Like, how can we make things better, faster, uh, more reliable? Um, uh, so, and those, those pieces, again, are creating great positive experience for people. So we're creating smiles in a different way, including be able to print them. That's a great line. I love that. Printing smiles. So do you think that, Amir, that that's the attraction to getting all of these established IEs to leave these high profile companies like Disney and Lockheed and, and come work for you is uh, the ability to transplant smiles onto people's faces worldwide? Uh, it is definitely one important factor and it resonates with pretty much everyone that we talk on. We invite them to join us. And uh, on top of that, being part of something disruptive is very, very exciting. Everyone wants to be part of something ex- exciting that is disrupting an industry, disrupting an industry completely. The, the startup vibe that we have, the open communication culture that uh, essentially you can communicate, talk, collaborate. Everyone is safe. 
that has been another good factor that helped us attract talent. And it's all about talent and people. No matter we have the best printer in the world, we need the best or best idea in our mind. Without the right talent, you just can't uh, implement it. You're right about that. You know, before I ever learned about industrial engineering, um, there was a show on the History Channel called Man, Moment, and Machine or something like that. And I didn't realize it at the time, but essentially that show kind of described industrial engineering. You know, you've got your humans, you've got your widgets, and you've got to put them together at a particular point in time for everything to work. And that's what ISEs really do. And it seems like that's what y'all are doing here with Sprint Ray. Absolutely. And there's actually one product that we have, the newest product is called the Pro Wash, which is in talking, you know, who would have thought that something that is designed to actually clean things would be a disruptor. So in the in the printing industry, traditionally when you would print something, you're printing out of resin. So they the dentist, the next step in the process flow would be to clean it. And it's usually rubbing alcohol and maybe a toothbrush or an ultrasonic cleaner. It takes a while. It's kind of yucky and messy. And, and it and it takes time. Um, with the pro wash, it was again the the, the again uh, really pushing the envelope of how can we make things different. And uh, if you ever take a look at our website and look at it, it's it's very cool. It's basically a uh, a drone propeller that that creates a vortex with rubbing alcohol that this blows off uh, the, the all the debris and such. And then it doesn't just do it once. It actually has two chambers, so you blow it off once. It lets it settle down, and then a cleaner version of rubbing alcohol blows it off again a second time. So for the dentist as opposed to them spending a dental assistant for 20, 30 minutes to be able to deal with it. And it's not, again, a very glamorous part of the the role. They literally just take it off the printer, stick it in it, hit a button and walk away and it come back and it's perfect. So they they can't live without this thing now. That's cool. That's kind of like, call it maybe the the Roomba for cleaning uh, 3D (laughs) printing appliances. You press a button, you walk away and you come back and it's done. Yes, yes. And that was another IE mind that we looked at the workflow of a doctor in dental practice. Okay, we solved the 3D printing in a dental office, bring the manufacturing closer to the to the site, basically problem. But as a side effect, we created other inefficiencies. And that inefficiency, once you're done with a 3D printed crown, it's not the end of the work. Now you got to wash it. Now you got to cure it. And how can we streamline it? Uh, then we looked at different solutions and uh, we came up with this, uh, as Kaz said, who would have thought a washing system would be a disruptive and people uh, leave glaring testimonials for us. And, and it worked out. And I think the crux of it is because we solved the pain point throughout that workflow, throughout that process. And they're, pre- they're really appreciative of that. I kind of like that. We were, we were interesting because one of the dentists actually gave us a comment about our printer. So you see those who can take that snapshot behind it. It's pretty. It's a very pretty printer. And, and what our dentist would call basically, I think the quote that they gave us was if Apple and Tesla married and created a printer, it would be a sprint ray. So, so Michael, are you saying now that when, uh, so I, I guess if, if Rumba were to make a dental appliance, it would be a, a pro wash. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So if I'm a dentist out there and I'm listening to this podcast and I'm interested, what's the process and how long and what kind of costs am I talking about to move from the old 20th century version of implanting crowns and dental prosthetics and getting to the new 2021 version where everybody needs to be? So I would position it that, uh, if a dentist, if you're a dentist listening to this podcast, you have to take a serious look at digital dentistry as a whole, not just the 3D printing part of it. And digital dentistry has uh, tremendously improved and became more accessible and affordable. And the entry point of digital dentistry is getting an intraoral scanner to digitize the, digitize the teeth. The first step is to find a, a 3D scanning solution and they vary different pricing and depending on their budget, they can get into the world of digital dentistry and we're not providing that, by the way. We're on the design and manufacturing part of the uh, digital dentistry. And this will give them overall the digital dentistry benefits, a lot better patient experience, same day visit, back to IE mind, you gotta make it efficient. Why should I go back for three visits to get a simple crown? 
So it's a lot, significant improvement in the patient experience, significant improvement in the profitability of office because you, you're doing the same treatment with less visits, significant improvement in the cost reduction, essentially. In, in every one of these procedures, when you put them in the practice, the cost also drops by order of magnet, way zero when they produce them themselves. So that control over the manufacturing process of dental appliances, that control over patient experience, that customer delight. If I'm a dentist, uh, you have to jump on board or get disruptive, disrupted by the other, other dentists who are doing this, I mean, competing with them. Do you ever get any pushback from uh, people who say, you know, you hear a lot of tradition versus disruptors. And there is a segment of people out there, you know, they're the ones that they want to grow all their own food and slaughter their own pigs and, you know, be self-sufficient. And do you ever get any pushback from people and then like the old ways are fine. Why do we have to jump on board with the new? Uh, I mean, we do to a great, uh, to some degrees, especially doctors who've been practicing and their system work and they're comfortable, they're very resistant to change. I mean, why would you do that? And they're very worried. It's not about the cost. It's about disruption to their flow and rhythm of business. And uh, we found that if you make the technology easier for them, if you really address all of those concerns of disruptions and uh, this is not going to be messing up your daily workflow. The majority of them will adapt the technology, uh, and will essentially jump on board. We are past the early adopters at this point. We're, we're past those geeks and techies. We're dealing with, um, I don't know the adoption curve. You guys all know early majority or late majority who are not techie, but they see the benefit that they have to stay more relevant, their impact should be magnified more with their patients. And so they, they're jumping on board and we're helping them, teaching and providing them training, on-site installation, hands-on training, sending them to the courses. So we got their back to make sure they're not failing throughout their, this journey. Gotcha. So if I'm an old school dentist and I want to get to the new school, how long does it take me from beginning to learn this process and getting this technology to where I can put a 3D printed crown into my patient's mouth? Process of choosing technology is stressful for them. So that I would give a week or two for them to, to choose the right piece of technology with their budget, with their practice. Uh, and when the system is added, uh, I would add another couple of weeks of training, a few cases, test cases to get it started. I think a month is reasonable and we have done it, uh, a lot of work to de-skill a lot of stuff in the way with with our software experience, we added design services, uh, Michael, uh, beginning of 2021 and to add more detail to that. Um, when we were looking at the workflow, we figured, okay, once they bought the 3d scanner, now someone has to design a crown and designing that crown is as frightening to doctors as, as adding a new technology, because they have to go for learn a cat software. They have to spend time first purchase it, then learn it, then do it per case. So we added the whole design services that we get the controller scan, we design the appliance for them. Then we, airdrop it to the printer for them. So we de-skilled that design part for them. That had been a huge improvement to over the adoption. So Kaz, what do you think? I think a month for them is good timing to get it started. And then that's and how complicated stuff on some of the, uh, some of the simpler things is if they have that, if they're already, cause they're already using this oral scanner. So they kind of have some type of a point of view on, on that. And, uh, once they once they get that oil scanner and they get a basic training on, we provide a basic training for our, our printers, which is about two hours. Um, that that uh, and what design services they could you know literally port in their first model um, that's that they already had through a, through a scan and and hit go. And and then there's a learning curve, of course, of understanding how to clean it and process the things. But but uh, some of the dentists are probably in the dental systems that will pick this thing up within hours for the for the first one. 
and they get the zones confident, of course, then they're going to be, you know, they're going to spend more time and learning it. It's interesting because one of the advantages that we have a sprint ray is that all of our uh, sprinters uh, can actually have a, uh, or take home uh, a 3d printer. And we encourage them to print and, and work at home because uh, the, the biggest part about, I think the biggest learning for 3D printing is when you get a, a, a failure on a 3D print because you didn't, like my first 3D print was Baby Yoda <laughs> and, and Baby Yoda completely failed. And I, and I went back and I go, what, ha- what happened? What did I do wrong? And he goes, oh, you, you needed to build support struts. You were, you, the way you did it was, it was, you know, if you laid it on it, maybe you went on a side, it would have been fine. And I'm going, oh, and then they were explaining like why that happened. And it really made sense. So, so yeah, other than that, once you kind of get the hang of the basic stuff on it, you're, you're off to the races. So you, uh, your first baby Yoda came from the dark side. It did. It did. (laughs) As an engineer, you have the power to impact and shape the future of the world, but we know how hard it is to balance life's responsibilities with getting the education necessary to advance your career and make that impact. The engineering programs offered through LSU Online make it easy to learn at a pace and schedule that's convenient for you. Their programs are 100% online, specifically designed to be flexible for working professionals. LSU Online offers multiple engineering degrees and certificates with focuses in industrial, civil, healthcare, petroleum, and transportation. U.S. News ranks LSU Online as one of the best online programs for a master's in engineering. And with flat rate tuition offered to students nationwide, LSU Online's engineering programs are also some of the most affordable programs available. Accelerate your career growth and leave a lasting impact on the world with LSU Online. Get started by visiting online.lsu.edu slash podcast to learn more and receive a code to waive the application fee. You read about a lot of startups and, and frankly, a lot of them fail. Not all of them become Apple. Not all of them become um, produce Macintoshes and, and iPhones. Not all of them become Teslas, et cetera, et cetera. What does having all these ISEs in your stable, where does that give you a benefit over other startups? Uh, two, two things, uh, resiliency and agility. I think that kept us alive. We had a lot of failures along the way and, uh, we tried, didn't work, tried the material, didn't work. A lot of time, a couple of times, never shared the story. We ran out of money. Balance was negative. We have to max out credit cards, all the typical startup stories. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but two things, I think resiliency and, uh, just refusing to die and figuring out another way to fix the problem, figuring out another way to solve the problem for someone. So they see value. So they pay for the product so you can get traction. And agility to, to, uh, to change directions. Again, that holistic view that really that, that direction you're going doesn't make sense. And you have to, uh, make, make, make changes. And I think the, these are the, from the IE mind has helped us, uh, survive to stay alive. And if you, to, I think to, to me, success is a result of staying in, alive in a startup environment long enough. So if, if you survive long enough, something will happen. And that has happened to us. We saw a lot of inflection points and one thing led to another and brought us to where we are today. Well, I don't know of any startup that doesn't have a story somewhere where they ran out of money and needed <laughs> to go to credit cards. Even uh, Robert Johnson, the founder of BET, he did his first movie. I think he, he put $100,000 on credit cards. This movie did well, thank God for him. And everybody's <laughs> watched that channel. So yeah, yes. definitely no shame there. But you know, a lot of people they'll they'll sink costs into something and it doesn't work. So they just need to pour more money into it and then it'll work. But you're saying that the I mind let y'all look at uh, places where that weren't working and say, you know, we need to quit going there. Let's go over in this other direction. I mean, uh, that's exactly what happened. A lot of times directions we were going didn't make financial sense. You know, you, you get vested into it. You put more money, the ability to let go and switch for us, the other industries, we tried some of them and, uh, back in the, when our office was in downtown LA, I tell the story about that. And I was working with jewelers back then in downtown LA to establish 3d printing in their workflow. That was exactly 2016, 15 time we were 
trying to figure out what industry to focus. And I was making daily trips to the jewelry district to give them a new 3D printed piece that they can cast. And uh, again, we pivoted. We said, this this is not going to work. I mean, this industry uh, is uh, different. They're not going to adopt it. The size of the market small. Let's totally forget about it. And our competition was putting a lot of energy behind it. So we let that go and we put more focus behind other industries back then, which was engineering and, and dentistry, which eventually we picked dentistry. You know, that's interesting. This is one of the things that coming from a newspaper background, I used to ask, have to ask 10, 15 questions to get two or three answers. But Amir, you just answered my next question, which was, give me an example of where y'all pivoted and changed and let something go. And the jewelry industry <laughs> was the answer already. So yes. What was it about the jewelry industry that just made it not a go for a 3D printing disruption? A couple of things. The material we had, uh, it just wasn't working. Uh, Because they, I think that was the biggest reason that they cast out of, they they have a lost wax technique that they pour all the, uh, rings and all, all you see essentially, which they make a mold of, uh, the, the ring, and then they do investment casting. Then they burn out the wax, the bags or melt away. Then they pour the ring. That's the process. So we were trying to replicate a 3d printed wax and the base chemistry wasn't, wasn't right. And no matter how much we tried to make our material make, it's going behave like wax. It didn't work. So that was the first thing. The second thing, the entire jewelry industry is very is shrinking. And 80, 90% of the market are one-man, two-man shops in a small office. Adopting, I was just visiting them and envisioning that if I had a high-tech technology equipment here, it's not going to be even received. These are different environments, different vibes. I never saw a 3D printer being successful in a small shops that I was seeing. So a combination of that, size of the market was shrinking. The solution wasn't right for them. They were very resistant to changing that process. Chose not to, not to pursue that. Mir also touched on resin. Um, I know we didn't talk about it, but but it, it's 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 very important. Without without the success of our resin, we we produce our own resin. Also, some great talent um, uh, that we work with to meet again the needs of our of our of our customers, our dentists, and and also to predict the needs and like again looking at what they're doing and their workflow and such. It goes well. Wow, they could use like say a a white a white version of, of, uh, of a dye model or a ceramic version of, you know, to be able to do crowns or, you know, looking at other, other, other types of things like the mouth guard you heard when we started the story about chewing, uh, you know, and, and the, the liner stuff and then, and then sports stuff. And I mean, all these different pieces are things that dentists could, could do. Um, some, some like live in that world. Others kind of go, that would be nice, but you know, well, I, you know, I, I don't know what to do with that. These things called surgical guides, which is kind of crazy. But the, the investment that we have is we listen to what a dentist needs are. And, and uh, we have, we have our, a great partner, a great team of leaders. I love Hassan. He's one of my buddies um, uh, to be able to kind of go, okay, let's, let's see if I can do that. And that, that's pretty exciting, actually, because it's all about the resin. If we just only made dye model, it would be one, a couple of things, but, but we can go way beyond that. You're right, because the resin's the stuff that's going to wind up in my mouth. And if that doesn't work, all of everything that y'all have done ancillary to that to get that resin into my mouth is is, is going to be a failure because if it falls apart right here, I'm going to go back to the old way. Exactly. And uh, 3D printing is exciting. It's technology, it's hardware, it's software. But in reality, 3D printing is material science. And we're using software and hardware to form a piece of material. And if if that material doesn't have the right properties, if it's not biocompatible, if it doesn't have the strength for you to chew a steak or (laughs) essentially chew food, it's not going to work. So we have added significantly a lot more material PhDs to our team to just research back and forth on the material and improve and essentially develop the future of material science for, for dentistry. So you're really putting, you know, mechanical engineering because you've got printers, material science engineering because you've got material and industrial engineering because you've got 
cost sitting right up there with a workflow. <laughs> Uh, service systems engineering as well, because you're dealing with customer service. Yeah. I guess, is there any, is there any engineering software software engineering? Yeah. Is there any engineering that y'all aren't using? (laughs) Nuclear. That's it. (laughs) Probably not too much civil engineering. Yeah. Yeah. Although Mary's career kind of already started in the civil engineering world with that, with building the homes. Oh, really? Tell me about that, Amir. Yeah, at USC, I was part of this uh, research group uh, that was a 3D printing additive manufacturing research group. And you might know him, uh, Professor Baruch. Baruch I've known stories on him. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, Baruch, yeah. Uh, yeah. Baruch is one of the essentially godfathers of 3D printing. He invented many, many methods of uh, additive manufacturing from metal 3D printing to polymers to concrete 3D printing. He's actually coming today to our office for a visit. And I was just fortunate that I just universe planned it. I wasn't planning that. I just joined that research lab that exposed me to all of these exciting advancements. And one of the main research that uh, Professor Krishnavis has been doing and is still active in that field was 3D printing of, of 3D printing or additive manufacturing of concrete. And the idea was, well, if you look at buildings around you, they're simple shapes. They're just cubes. <laughs> on top of each other. So we have robots and we can do layer by layer manufacturing, layer by layer manufacturing, which is 3D printing. If you think about bricklaying is a form of manual additive manufacturing. So it existed from centuries ago. So that was Baroque's idea and he connected the dots. Now it makes sense, but at the time that he connected the dots, no, no one was talking about it. So uh, my research was uh, to work on the strength of these 3D printed structures to see how they perform on on their loads, on their different essentially conditions. So we mix a lot of concrete, (laughs) we built robots, (laughs) uh, we poured concrete into and essentially tested a lot of stuff. Very exciting times at at USC. Yeah, we've done stories on on Professor Koshnevis. 3D printing on the moon using simulated yes. Martian and um, and lunar regolith to print structures up there. His 3D printing of houses, um, just a lot of cool stuff that he's done. Absolutely, it was very to me. I just uh, came to USC, came to the country. I come from. I'm a. I'm an immigrant. Uh, and then I was exposed to that much excitement and 3D printing of the structures on NASA and we're doing that. It was unbelievable to me. And that really essentially formed the foundation of my mindset that everything we do has to be disruptive and see how disruptive Baroque is. 3D printing structures on the Mars <laughs> and really it helped me to craft my future and I'm always thankful to Baruch for putting me in that path. Well, first off, tell Baruch hello when he comes into the office today from me. Second off, welcome to America. We are happy to have you. And third off, (laughs) talking about all these neat 3D printing things, what is the neatest or coolest 3D printed object that y'all own? That's a tough question. That changes every other week. (laughs) Let me see what I have behind me now. This point, I have the Wall Street bet guy. Oh, wow. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so it keeps changing. So this is anything that cool I have, I put on my <laughs> background here. Uh, Cause has a lot of characters. Another thing, Michael, you walk in our company and we provide unlimited 3D printing to our employees. Just print. We pay for the resin. We go through it. You go on people's desk, you see like all these characters. Someone has a collection of Nike sneakers that are printed. The other one is all Star Wars characters. The other one has type of flowers. It's very exciting. I hope we can host you uh, to our company. And again, everyone puts the passion. Cause, what do you have? I think, you know, the, the one I really liked is a Millennium Falcon. Cool. So, um, you know, when I was at Disney, my team was uh, a foundation on helping to open up Star Wars land. And the Millennium Falcon was very dear. One of my dearest industrial engineers, Melanie, that was her, that was her, like her, her, her outbreak when she worked on an attraction and it, and it just like changed her. Um, uh, and uh, the Millennium Falcon is very, very detailed. And normally the print is pretty large. And I was playing with our printer and I wanted something to see if I could see a failure. 
So I wound up shrinking the the, the Malayan falcon down to I, I want to say about the size of like a fifty cent piece, and and wow. it was amazing because with our printer, I mean, and, and those who understand three D printing with a filament printer, there's absolutely no way it would just be a pile of peanut butter. <laughs> if, you that, if you take the Malayan falcon with all the detail and the windows and the guns and the and the landing gear, and I shrunk it down to to basically half a dollar. And if you look at it sitting in my windowsill, it, it it looks exactly like the Millennium Falcon. People look at it and they go, oh, that's what they immediately say it's a Millennium Falcon. Well, then they look at it, it goes, you have the windows in here. And you can tell where Chewbacca would be sitting and stuff. And wow. it's like the size of a 50 cent piece. So that was that was pretty impressive. That was exciting. Uh, audience won't, won't see this, Michael. I'm going to show it to you. I just overlooked it. This is a 3D printed shoe. You and you Oh, cool. <laughs> And we just did it as a fun project, proof of concept. And we don't want to be in the shoe industry, but testing the capabilities. It's another kind of neat project. It's a very super hyper elastic material that we developed in our material mm -hmm. science. And we just tested the limits and this shoe came out. Cool. Very comfortable. Cool. <laughs> you know, I've done stories in my time here on um, a lot of 3D printing from aircraft parts to, you know, now, now dental, not implants, dental 3d printed objects, um, to 3d printed pizza, uh, which was a few years ago. I think the U S army was work, working on that. Last question is going to be kind of a fun one. Would either of you, and I would, but I would answer yes to this. Would either of you eat 3d printed food? 3d printed food. I 3d printed chocolate before. Nice. Yes. And it was extrusion system. It was a hobby project in the company we built with my co-founder and the top, the chocolate tasted very bad, uh -oh. but it was cool. <laughs> well, if you can work on the taste and it tastes good, you try it. Yeah. What about you cause? Oh yeah. I, if, if Michael, you know me long enough that, uh, that I eat anything uh, that really <laughs> helps explaining and then being half Dutch and half Japanese really makes me confused because right? I'll have, you know, I love a rice, the certain, I, you know, I, I'm very picky on the type of rice I like, but I also eat French fries and I dip it in mayonnaise. <laughs> so, <laughs> if I can do those two things, I, I, yeah, I would be no problem with that. Gotcha. Well, we're going to wrap it up here unless there's something that I uh, should have asked and left out. Amir, Kaz, thank you both so much. This has been a wonderful conversation and a lot of fun too. Hi, you're welcome. You're welcome. And one thing I'm very proud of too is interesting. We have two IE interns now. Again, um, and both of our IE interns, one's from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, another one's from ASU. Both of them were introduced by us from the IISC uh, conferences. So uh, Lorenzo from ASU was basically one of the, uh, the leaders of the IISC uh, regional Western Regional Conference in Arizona, and uh, and he had a job already. Uh, super dynamic young man. And when he and he was when he was listening to my story uh, about 3D printing and Sprint Ray, you know what I didn't know is that his mother was a dentist. So he went home and was talking to his mom about it, and 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 like it was really cool, right? If you those of you have teenage or college age kids, whenever your kid is actually talking to you professionally, it's it's a pretty unique experience. And and she was all excited about you know him looking into that, and and he actually rescinded his job offer from another another company, uh, and took ours uh, again wow. taking that stuff. And the and the other one, uh, I, uh, Natalie from Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, um, again we I got to meet her through IISE on one of the sessions that we hosted together, and found out that her father was a, a dentist and has a three D printer, not. not not a dental 3d printer, but just a casual 3d printer. And again, she went and talked to him and it goes, well, you know, like understanding the disruptive workforce about what's going on in 3d printing. And, and then she's working for us now. Um, when, uh, Amir and Erich were, were, um, were looking at me to, to consider joining the sprint rate family, uh, on the way home, you know, I was very flattered on the way home. I called my dentist up. Uh, and I, I called, you know, Dr. Richardson and I go, Dr. Richardson, you have a minute for me? And he goes, sure. And he goes, what do you know about 3D printing? And he goes, oh, and his, his words were any dentist who isn't on 3D printing in five years might also go back to pliers. It's because it's that wow. disruptive. There's a, you know, you have to be on 3D printing to be able to, to do it. And, and then I, then I asked him, I said, is there, he goes, wow. And is there any 3D printing company that comes to mind? And he goes, yeah, there's this company called Sprint Ray that I saw at one of the dental <laughs> shows. And he goes, and I really like them because they understood us. I mean, other 3D printing companies, you know, are out there, but, but, but it's like an, a side thing for them. 
and they do lots of stuff. And, and what I was impressed about seeing the, the, the Sprintrate team is that they understood 3D printing for dentistry. They understood us, they understood our workflow, and the product was amazing. It was so fast. And that's a, an interesting part about Amir's technology is how fast it is. When you put, it's like you can punch out something in, like say, in 20 minutes, which another printer might take you know an hour to do. And if you have to print out 10 of them, it would take 10 hours on their printer and would still, and for our printer, it would still take 20 minutes. It doesn't, time is irrelevant effectively. It's all about how, how, how tall it is, is what matters for our style of technology. So those are like two things that oh, out of the blue, and, and then one more thing, I called um, one of my, uh, one of my mentees, her husband uh, was in 3D printing and I, and I just called him, I said, you know, what do you, do you know anything about Sprint Ray? And he like literally quoted off Amir's Kickstarter campaign. He goes, yeah, I've been watching those guys. He goes, you know, they're amazing. And what they started off with was this Kickstarter. I was looking at that, you know, and then, and then where they're at to now. And then he goes, why are you asking about that? You know, cause do you think I'm still at Disney? He goes, oh, this, this, just poking around. So it was like literally the two random people both, both gave mega, you know, star reviews on, on Sprint Ray. And it was, and again, being part of this as a mayor. So, you know, like Walt, Walt was a super disruptive guy and who would have thought a theme park would have ever done anything. Um, you know, being at UPS for all those decades, again, very disruptive, like, like what do you need a, a package delivery company for? Um, you know, coming as Sprint Ray is, is even, it's, even, it's, it's so, it's so fun is you know we we we're changing we're literally changing the world of dentistry which is kind of really cool to be part of it and for an ie it doesn't matter it's dent like i'm dealing with teeth and i'm dealing with the processes and the excitement of making things happen so i'm very proud to be serving amir and erich you know on this on this pretty cool journey it was a pleasure to have you in the team cause and as similar we're changing the industry it's very fun and exciting and, and Michael, we have more than hundred hundred openings at this point in time. So, in our jobs, if you know talent, if you know anyone who's remotely excited from across industries, from across uh, disciplines, across engineering disciplines, so uh, we have more than hundred of them. We're fun, a fun company, essentially changing an industry. Come join us if you're listening to the podcast. And we're going to have fun. All right. Well, keep having fun. Keep bringing smiles to the world. And all any IEs out there looking for a job, you know where to go. Go to Amir and Kaz. <laughs> They're wanting to hear from you. Gentlemen, thank you very much. This has been a fantastic conversation. It was cool. A lot of fun. Thank you. I'll see you in Seattle, Michael. Thanks for listening to this episode of Problem Solved, the IISC podcast, a production of the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers in Metro Atlanta. This podcast is produced by David Brandt, Keith Albertson, and Michael Hughes, and edited by David Brandt. You can listen to all episodes of Problem Solved and learn about sponsorship opportunities by visiting our website, podcast.iise.org. You can also learn more about IISE at the Institute's website, www.iise.org.